Good morning again, everybody. So glad you're with us today. It's going to be a fun day. Uh, as Molly mentioned, we're going to be celebrating a communion a little bit later. We're going to uh, kind of issue a challenge. I'm going to throw the gauntlet a little bit later uh, about spiritual growth in the new year and, and living and stepping into the new life that God has for us. But first, we're going to start out with baptism and celebrate and hear some stories of transformed lives, of, of, of new life, and get to celebrate uh, what Jesus does in people's lives and in people's hearts. And so looking forward to that. Before we do that, I thought it might be good to just uh, kind of review and to kind of hit a little bit of what baptism is. Ignite as a church, we've got people uh, from all different kinds of backgrounds. Some of us might have uh, grown up in churches where baptism was something that happened to babies. Uh, maybe we didn't grow up in church. And so this whole idea of baptism and seeing somebody get dunked under the water, you're like, what is that all about anyway? Um, all kinds of stuff and, and probably anywhere in between. Uh, and so I thought it might be good just to kind of step back, pull back. I like to do this uh, quite often when we do a baptism service and just say, okay, I mean, baptism seems to be a pretty significant theme uh, in the Bible, specifically in the New Testament. Jesus himself was baptized uh, and said that that was right and proper for that to happen. In his, his sort of standing orders that he leaves to his church, to, to, to us and to other followers of Jesus, you know, go ahead a couple slides if you can, Troy. Um, he, he, this is sort of his, his standing orders. It's called the Great Commission. He leaves to his followers. It says, therefore, go in, into all the world to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. Baptism is a part of that. And throughout the New Testament, you keep seeing this, this command again and again and again and again. It says, believe and be baptized. Put your faith in Christ and be baptized, right? I mean, uh, go, he says, and, and make disciples and baptize them. It's, it's sort of this theme that happens again and again uh, throughout the New Testament. So it's a, it's a fairly big deal. So what is it anyway? <laughs> what is it all about? Uh, we oftentimes talk about this around here and say it's really, baptism is really two symbols and a proclamation. And so I just want to hit these quickly, hopefully keep us moving along uh, today. But from a biblical perspective, the way that the early church and the New Testament describe baptism is it's two symbols in a proclamation. It's an outward symbol of what happens to a person on the inside when they put their faith and their trust in Christ, when they open up their heart and their life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you to come and save me. I need you to come and be my God. I am yours. When we do that, this is what happens on the inside, and, and baptism is just an expression of that. So the first picture, picture number one, is it's a picture of, uh, of having our sins be washed away, of being washed clean, so to speak. I, I threw a, a couple, or a verse in here, uh, Acts 2.38 says, repent and be baptized. It literally means to be immersed or to be washed or to be made clean. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I was thinking this week about uh, times in my life. Have you ever been really dirty? I mean, really dirty? Let's think about times in my life when that was the case. Hay baling is the one that comes to mind for me always. Because uh, I, I don't know if you've ever done this. But uh, growing up in Kiwani, not far from here, my grandparents lived on a farm uh, south of Cambridge. It's a little town, kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but we used to bale hay uh, on the farm every summer. And you wait until it's about 110 degrees, it seems like, right? And you go and you, you are picking up 75 and 100-pound bales, and you're stacking them higher than you are, all this kind of stuff. Then you go into the barn where there's no air circulation. And needless to say, is you just you get all sweaty and nasty. You can't hardly breathe. There's all kinds of stuff in the air. And and by the time you're done for the day, 
all that hay or straw dust and dirt and grime, it's all stuck to you. And I can remember going and taking a bath afterwards because they didn't have a shower. Take a bath and you fill the bathtub up real high and you get in and stuff starts floating off of you. <laughs> the dirt kind of comes to the top. It's a, but in a way, the New Testament's like, that's kind of what baptism is supposed to represent, right? It's, it's supposed to represent us becoming clean, us having a bath. Uh, again, the word means to be immersed and so it's a picture of going down into the water and, and in, in a way of having a bath and, and coming out clean. Again, nothing magical about the, the waters. I can guarantee it. I filled it up this morning, right? It's, it's, it's water. But, but it's what it represents is what happens when we put our faith and trust in Christ. The Bible says, you know what? We are washed. We are made clean. In fact, the Bible would say it's, it, before God, it's, it's like, like we never sinned at all, just as if we never sinned. We are made clean through Christ. That's picture number one. It's a picture of having a bath almost, of, of becoming clean. Second a picture of baptism, what it represents is, is new life, right? New life. It's a life change, that kind of stuff. Romans 6, 4 says, uh, says this, says, We are therefore buried with, with him through baptism, buried with Christ through baptism, uh, into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may live a new life. In Colossians 2.12 says, Having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Right? Baptism is a picture of sort of burying the old life and coming out uh, brand new, uh, like a new life, a new, uh, a new living creature before God. Uh, I, I was joking with people, some of the people that are getting baptized uh, today and they're saying, you know, uh, oftentimes I'll tell people that we hold people under in baptism in proportion to how big a sinner they are. <laughs> it's, uh, like the bottom of the tank. It's like, no, no, I'm like, just kidding. But like truly in the early church, they would take people and they would hold them under a little bit when they were baptizing them. And like, not, not like so much they're going to kill them or something, but they, they would hold them under a little bit just to the point where they could, they could sense their need and they would pull them out so that when they came out of the water, they would go, <gasps> And they were like, yeah, that's the image, right? You were dead in your sin and on your own in your rebellion in the way that you had wandered away from God, in the way that you had said, I don't want your way, God. I'm just going to do life my way. I'm going to go my own. I'm going to be my own boss, right? I'm going to do my own thing. I don't care about your will. I don't care about your presence. I don't care about your way. They said, when that was the, the, the case for you, you were dead in your sin. You had nothing. You were without hope. But then Christ came. Right? He came, he reached in, he pulled you out of death, he resurrected you, so to speak. He, he put air back in your lungs and you are now born again. For those who have put their faith and trust in Christ, he says, you know what? There's new life. You are fresh. I mean, you used to be dead, but now there's life waiting for you. Now there's hope that fills you. Now there's relationship with God and on and on and on. It's an image of baptism, right? You were dead, but Christ reached in and pulled you out and saved you. So two pictures and a proclamation. This is the third one. It's a sort of a public declaration saying, I belong to Jesus. Romans 6, 5, we just read Romans 6, 4, right? We were talking about being buried with Christ in baptism and raised, resurrected with him uh, through Christ into new life. And then it goes on and says this in verse 5. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. The word united there is an interesting one. It's the picture of a wedding ceremony. 
right? It's sort of like going, you know, like, like the way that a, a, a man and a woman would stand up before a church full of people and they would take vows, so to speak, and they would let the world know that they are no longer two but one, right? There's one new family coming from two separate ones, right? They are now married. In the same way, it's saying that there's like sort of a public proclamation part to getting married. It's saying, man, baptism in a very real way is a public proclamation that I have died and now I belong to Jesus. I am living with him. The new life that I have been given, I'm using to follow him. He's my God. He's my savior. He's, he's the king and I'm, I'm his and so it's, a, it's very much a, a public sort of proclamation declaring to the world that I belong to Jesus. So that's baptism in a nutshell, right? It's, it's pictures, it's outward expressions of what happens inwardly when we put our trust in Christ, right? It, it, it's a picture that says, I am washed and made clean, sort of like having a bath. It's a picture that's saying, like, I was dead, but Christ, and I, I was helpless. There was nothing I could do on my own, but Christ reached in saved me and he gave me life and he forgave me and he made me new and so I'm standing here today just to proclaim that he's my savior and I'm his 